I want to say good evening to each and every one of you, and I just want to thank uh, the McDermott Road uh, and also the leadership here for giving me the opportunity to share God's word. It's always a privilege uh, to be able to share God's word um, anytime uh, that there is an invitation, and I appreciate the invitation, and I pray that something that will be said uh, on uh, this evening will be a blessing to your soul, to your family, uh, and also to your spiritual uh, walk. My name is Willie B. Williams III. I'm the minister of the North Colony Church of Christ. Uh, and our prayer on today uh, is that you will be edified and be able to draw closer to the cross. Uh, at this particular time, before we dive into the word of God, let us go uh, into a word of prayer. Holy and righteous Father, we are so thankful for your blessings. And we ask, dear Father, that you be with us as we study your word on this evening. We pray, Father, that you may bless us with clarity and understanding. Father, if there's any sins that we've committed, please forgive us in word, thought, or in deed. Bless us, dear Father. Keep us. And we pray, dear Father, that our hunger and our thirst for righteousness will grow uh, as we study together. In your name we pray. Amen. We'll begin our lesson on tonight beginning in Matthew chapter 13. Matthew uh, chapter 13, and we'll begin at verse 24. Matthew chapter 13, uh, and we'll begin... Uh, at verse 24. Jesus is doing some teaching, and I need you to understand that this is not uh, my story. Jesus wants to tell you a story, and so it's very important for you to be able to understand who is telling uh, the story and the purpose uh, uh, and the reason why the story is being told. The Bible begins in verse 24, another parable put he forth unto them, saying, the kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sold good seed in a field. So Jesus is finna tell a story. Jesus is a, about to tell a parable. And the reason for him telling the parable is that I want you to understand the kingdom of God. I need you to understand the kingdom uh, of heaven. And after you hear this story, you should have a better understanding of what the kingdom of heaven is like. Uh, it's very dangerous to enter into something and you don't really understand what it's like. Matter of fact, um, many, many times a preacher will come uh, and, and on a Saturday, you have two people that want to get married, uh, and sometimes the minister will take the time to minister to uh, the groom and minister to the bride, uh, and it's a very dangerous thing for uh, the minister to be able to sit down with the groom and say, hey, listen, do you know what marriage is like? And the groom says, oh, yes, it's going to be butterflies and candy and daisies every day. Uh, the minister, he backs up and says, ah, I, don't, I don't think you understand. It's a very dangerous thing to enter into something when you don't have a full understanding of what it's like. Many of you uh, have probably applied for a job, and after you applied and you got the job and you gave a great interview, uh, but about the second or third week on the job, you started to see the culture and you started to see uh, the organization and the systems, and you begin to realize, wait a minute, I really didn't know what I stepped into. I need you to understand what the gospel is. The gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so in order for a person to be saved, they have to know the gospel. Because if you don't know the gospel, then it's impossible to be saved. 
And so a person hears the gospel and they say, listen, I, I, I want to come down and, and have you heard? Have you believed? Uh, are you willing to repent? Are you willing to confess that Jesus Christ uh, is the son of God? And by his commandment, are you willing to be baptized? Mark 16, 16. A person says, yes, I want to be baptized. I want to be saved. I want to have all my sins washed away. That is wonderful. And so then we baptize. But then there's some things that they didn't realize. Somebody asked you, hey, uh, what is the church supposed to be like? They said, oh, the, the church is a wonderful place. It's loving. It's kind. Hey, listen, nobody gossips. No, nobody is, is jealous. Nobody is envious. Everybody treats children wonderful. There's, uh, there's no backbiting or, or uh, there's no hatred. Uh, and everybody exercises uh, forgiveness. Everybody in the church, everybody exercises love. But if you've been in a church even about two and a half minutes, then you begin to realize that, wait a minute, church is a different place. The kingdom of heaven uh, is a different place. And so I appreciate Jesus in Matthew chapter 13 because he listened. He says, listen, I don't want you to come in here thinking that you understand something and you have an image and you have a vision of the kingdom. You have a vision of the church and it's not accurate. Many people get very frustrated with church and they get very frustrated with Christianity because they have a vision of how they think it's supposed to be. And then they show up on Sunday and they are met with reality. And so we have a lot of people uh, that we lose uh, from in Christianity and a lot of people who are driven away uh, from the church because they walked in with an expectation and the reality didn't meet the expectation. They didn't realize it was going to be like this. They didn't, they didn't realize that there was that much fighting and issues and trouble and, and evilness and wickedness. They didn't realize that it was this much sin in the church. And you have some people stand up and says, wait a minute, I thought we were supposed to be Christians. Somebody says, no, this is, this is, the, this is the kingdom. This, this, is the, this is the church. So, so just for a few minutes, Jesus says this. Listen, I want you to sit down and I want to educate you. And I want you to have a proper vision of what the kingdom of heaven is like. And maybe at the end of this story, you will, you will adjust your expectation to meet the reality so that you can get the mansion, robe, and crown. We like to sing the song, uh, but some of us are unaware of the journey it takes to get there. So here we are uh, in verse 24, and he begins his story. This is not my story. This is Jesus's story. He begins his story saying, the kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. So I need you to understand, here is the master of the field and he has seeds. And the master of the field, he goes and he sows seeds uh, in his field. Now, I need you to understand, there are not multiple people who own this field. Uh, in the story, there are not multiple men who own this field. Uh, there is one master of the field, and the Bible says it's his, it, it is his field, and he has seeds. And his seed... Uh, he decides that he wants to plant it uh, in his field. The Bible says uh, here uh, that, that uh, with that uh, understanding, with, with that uh, uh, teaching, 
uh, the Bible says in verse 25, but while men slept, his enemy came and sold tares among the wheat and went his way. Uh, the master of the field is his field. He has seeds. And so he begins to sow seeds in his field. And the, and the reason why you would want to sow seeds in a field is because one day you're expecting a harvest. Now, I need you to understand, in this season of the text, in this season, this isn't harvest season. It's sowing season. And so in this particular season, the master of the field is not expecting a return. The purpose uh, of this season is to sow as many seeds as he can uh, into the field. Jesus is using agriculture so that you can have an understanding about a kingdom that you might not uh, understand if, if he was to talk specifically about how he operates in the kingdom of heaven in the, ch in the church. So what he does is he uses something you can understand to point to something that you might not understand. So he says, let's look at agriculture and you can understand there is a master, there is a field and there are seeds. That's something you can relate to and understand. But understanding that Jesus is not talking about agriculture for agriculture's sake. He's talking about and he's telling us the story so that we can understand how the kingdom and how the church operates. And so the Bible says after he finished sowing the seed, the next verse says, an enemy. While men slept, notice what it says in verse 25, his enemy came and sold tares among the wheat and then he went his way. So one thing that's clear about Jesus's story is that, that the master of the field has an enemy. And so the enemy makes his way into the master's field. And when he enters into the master's field, the enemy has his own seeds. So in our story at this particular time, there are two seeds. There's the master's seed who owns the field, and then there's the enemy's seed uh, who is an enemy of the master. And so the enemy sneaks into the field and alongside uh, of the seeds that the master sowed, he begins to sow weeds. He begins to sow weeds. Matter of fact, this is actually a common uh, practice in Eastern culture uh, that when you wanted to harm somebody or uh, you had an enemy or somebody that you didn't like, uh, one of the things that they faced in Eastern cultures is that you had to protect your field because sometimes an enemy would come uh, and they would sow uh, uh, poisonous, uh, they would sow uh, seeds that were contradictory to the vision of those who owned the field. Field. And so the Bible says here, uh, the Bible says in verse uh, 25, and he sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. Now I need you to understand something also. The same amount of energy that it takes to sow wheat is the same amount of energy that it takes to sow weeds. So the master of the field worked really hard to sow his wheat. But when the enemy came, the enemy also came to work. 
And so if the master of the field sweated to sow uh, the seeds, then the enemy also has come into the kingdom to work just as hard, but what he's sowing does not match what the master sowed. If you can understand this, you won't be frustrated with church. If you, if you can understand this, then you won't be disappointed. The Bible says here uh, in verse uh, 26, but when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. I need you to understand some time has passed. And because some time had passed, uh, you were not able to see what the enemy did the next day. Matter of fact, I can imagine if the master came and viewed the field the next day, everything actually looked the same. The purpose of the enemy is to not be detected. If you can understand this, you won't be frustrated with church. You won't be uh, frustrated with Christianity and you won't be frustrated with the state of the world even at this time. And, some, and somebody says, uh, no, but it's... it's it's supposed to be loving. It's supposed to be kind. I need you to understand this is not my story. This is Jesus' story. And the Bible says in verse 27, some time had passed. Growth had taken place. And the Bible says the servants in verse 27. So the servants of the household came and said unto him, Sir, didst not thou sow good seed in thy field? From whence uh, it have, uh, it tears? And he said, an enemy has done this. Look, look at what he says. He says, listen, uh, they said, master, uh, we've, been, we've been observing. We've been, we've been looking at uh, your work. And so we have a question we want to ask you. And the question is this. Master, I thought your seed was good. Because if your, if your seed was good, it wouldn't look like this. Can you imagine the issue with the servants? The issue with the servants is this. We know who you are. But what we see in your field, what we see in your kingdom, what we see in the church does not match what we read. Somebody says the church is not supposed to look like this. The church is not supposed, matter of fact, we're supposed to be saving more souls. We're supposed to be loving people. There's not supposed to be hatred. There's not supposed to be anger. There's not supposed to be jealousy. There's not supposed to be racism. There's not supposed to be backbiting. Wait a minute. If the church is really here, it's supposed to look like love. And when I read the Bible, it does not look there is a disconnect. Master, it doesn't look right. So my question to you, we're, we're in verse 27. My, my question to you, Jesus, is there something wrong with the seed? That, that has to be, there has to be something wrong with the seed because we're looking at the field and we're saying something doesn't look right. And it looks like you're real calm. It looks like you're real calm. It seems like you're not bothered uh, that there are wheat and there are weeds in the same field. The purpose, the purpose of the wheat, because in agriculture, 
if you sow right and there's a good harvest, you can eat all year long off of that. Matter of fact, for a farmer to sow, uh, to, to sow uh, wheat is not only for you to eat, but it's also for you to go to the marketplace and for you to barter and trade and get the other necessities and other things that you need. And so it is the economy at this particular time, you're talking about the economy of a people. And so it's important for a farmer to not only sow a good seed, but also to make sure that that seed uh, produces good fruit so that not only that he's able to eat, but it also funds his whole lifestyle on any other items or things that he needs. So I can understand uh, the servants being really concerned and they're saying, wait a minute, there's a problem. The master says, listen, everybody calm down. The whole church, we're going to have a church meeting. In verse 27, there's a, there's a church meeting, there's a kingdom meeting, and, and the master says, everybody calm down. There's nothing wrong with the seed. There's nothing wrong with the word of God. There's nothing wrong with my field, so I need you to understand. The field is good, and I need you to understand the seed is good. So what I don't want you to ever do again is I don't want you to ever question the seed of the master, and I don't ever want you to question the field uh, of the master. So if the field is good and the seed is good, then here's what the master says in the meeting. He says... Uh, he says, I know you didn't do it, and uh, I, I didn't do it, but I want to tell you who did this. He says, I have an enemy, and maybe you forgot, or maybe you didn't realize, or, or maybe I'm informing some of you for the very first time. I have an enemy, and, and an enemy by definition, is meant to do harm, to sabotage, to dilute. And he says, my enemy did this. I need you to understand, it's not your enemy. Now, some of you may have enemies, but I need you to understand, what's going on in my field right now, what's going on in the world right now, and all of the confusion, and people are looking for Jesus, people are looking for justice, people are looking uh, for love, people are, are looking for many different things. Hey, what's going on right now is not because my seed is not powerful and not because my field is, is, is bad. The problem that's going on right now is that there is an enemy. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6, our fight is not against flesh and blood. Our fight is not against flesh and blood. You know what it is? It's against principalities. It's, it's against rulers in high places. We're fighting something you cannot see. So if we begin to fight one another, I know you're charging me up and you're questioning me about the seed, and the master says, it's not us. So we don't need to fight us. But if we fight us, 
then you're not even fighting the enemy because the enemy, his purpose is to be undetected. That's why he comes while you're asleep. He comes in and works just as hard in the night uh, as you did in the day. And I know what you're thinking. God, I'm working so hard and it seems like every time I try to get my family and I'm trying to improve my marriage and I'm trying to uh, move my business and, and God, I'm praying to you. It just seems like every time I take two steps forward, I wake up in the morning and I get some more bad news. And you look at God and say, God, how, how, is this, how is this possible? He says, it's not you. He says, I have an enemy. And I want to let you know, my enemy is after me, but in order for him to hurt me, he has to attack you. My enemy is not in a position to attack me. So what he does is he attacks the field, he does not attack the master. Growing up sometimes in a schoolyard, if you had a problem with somebody, you didn't go to the friend of a person that you had a problem with, you went and found the person you had a problem with. Matter of fact, you have uh, sometimes in situations at your job where you have people talking about you and, and it comes across your desk or, or an email uh, is, is uh, received and you are able to identify and see, well, wait a minute, I think somebody's talking about me. Uh, have you ever been in that situation before where you got up and you, you found that person and said, hey, can we talk for a second? Do you have a problem with me? Some of you have had situations where people have done things to your children and they said certain things to your children. And what you realize is you had to go to your children and say, baby, I'm so sorry. What y'all are dealing with right now has nothing to do with you. The reason why that adult did those things to you is because that adult is mad at me. So what I want y'all to do is I want y'all to go in the house. I'm going to address. The master says, I have an enemy but that enemy attacks you to hurt me. The reason why the church struggles with sin and the church struggles with issues and the church struggles with doing so and we have a problem sometimes working together and doing so because we have an enemy. Now here's the thing, I don't care how sweet you think your church is. God has an enemy and the enemy does not fight God. The enemy cannot fight God. So in order for him to operate, he sneaks into the church. He sneaks into the kingdom. And while you're not paying attention, he works just as hard. You, you, ever, you ever seen anybody work really hard in the church to destroy and tear things down and gossip and cause mess and do this and do that? And they work really, really hard because that's what the enemy does. Now, here's the thing. You can't change it. So listen to what the master says. He says in verse 28, and he said unto them, an enemy has done this. The servant said unto him, will thou then that we go and gather them up? But he said, no, lest while we gather up the tares, you root up the wheat also. 
uh, the servant says, listen, we understand that you have an uh, enemy. Uh, one of the things that we came up with, we came up with a solution. Uh, that's why I, sometimes I enjoy uh, being around Christians who don't only just point out the problem, but they come to you with a solution. Sometimes it can be draining uh, for uh, the leadership and, and ministers and elders and deacons and, uh, and, and those who are ministry leaders. Sometimes it's frustrating when you have men, uh, members who point out problems, but they don't come up with solutions. I like these group of servants because they say, listen, we understand that we not only see the problem, but we came up with a solution. Right now, let's go throughout and let's rip up all of the tears. And the, and the master said, I, 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 I hear you. He said, but no, don't, don't do that. Don't. Don't, don't rip up the tares. Look at verse 29. He said, no. Lest while you gather up the tares, you root also the wheat with them. So he says, I, I see what my enemy has done. And my enemy did it so that he can cause disruption. But he says this, leave it alone. Look at verse 30. Let both grow together until the harvest. Uh, I, I, I want to make about two or three more points and then we'll close. He says, leave it alone. Don't bother it. Oh God, you don't understand. I'm going through this and I'm going through that. God, if you could just take the trouble out of my life, then I can grow and focus on you and serve you like you want me to. I, I understand. I, I understand that uh, you... You don't want to have any more financial issues because the enemy came and sabotaged your finances. And I understand that you're having some family issues right now. And I understand that you're having some health concerns. I, I understand that uh, you're having some issues with your children. Uh, and some things have been found out and some things have been revealed that you didn't know. And so I know that you and your husband are praying and, and you're asking God for direction on, Lord, what should we do in this? And it just seems like there's an enemy that's attacking uh, your family and attacking your life on every side. I understand. And so you, you get on your knees because you're in the kingdom. You, you're, you're in the kingdom of heaven. And so uh, you're a child of God. You're, you're in the church. You, you've been walking faithfully. You're not, you're not like those that are out in the world and they don't even honor God like you've been faithful you you attend Bible class you you pray so what you do while in the kingdom you get on your knees and you ask God you say God please take these things out of my life and it just seems like God I'm going through an attack right now and I'm suffering I'm, I'm dealing with depression and I'm, I'm struggling with drugs and I'm, I got I feel like the temptation I, I feel like they're coming uh, at me at all different angles and so I, God I just need your help and I need your strength God I'm not where I, I need to be I'm not doing the things I'm supposed to be because I feel like your enemy is messing with me so God if you can keep your enemy me away from me uh, then maybe I could be better and then maybe there's a still small voice that whispers to you that says no I'm not removing the thorn oh he goes back the second time he says I have a thorn in my flesh and only if you could please would you please kind of nice with sugar on top please kind of would you please remove the thorn he goes a third time. He says, please, Father God, holy and righteous Savior, could you please, I have a thorn in my flesh. It's hindering me. It's keeping me from being my, my best. And 
The only thing you hear is my grace is sufficient. Because I'm greater in your life when you're being attacked. This is not my story. And if it was my story, I promise I'll remix it. And I'll tell it so that you wouldn't experience any pain. You know what? If, I, if it was my story, I would tell it so that you wouldn't have to experience any issues with weeds in your life. But it's not my story. It's Jesus' story. And Jesus says, I expect you to grow in a pandemic. I expect for you to grow in a crisis. I expect for you to grow in quarantine. I expect for you to grow when people are fighting for justice. I expect for you to grow when there is distrust in the government. I expect for you to grow when it seems like there is an enemy in the camp. I just expect for you to grow. I want you to look at the text. The text, let them grow together. You know what I realized something? Weeds do not change the nature of wheat. The only thing weeds do is that they fight for the same resources. And so if the weeds were not there, then the wheat would have more resources to do what it needs to do. But because the weeds are there, now the wheat has to fight with the weeds for the resources of the field. And maybe what God knows is in the fighting with the weeds, I'm greater in your life. And actually, you pray better when your heart is broken. You you. You worship me with greater sincerity when the enemy is in your life. I've never, when you lost your job, I've never seen you sing and pray and worship me like that. Matter of fact, I don't, I don't remember the last time you were really in the word of God. When the enemy hit your life, you were really in the word. And what you may not realize is God is greater when the enemy attacks. It's good to have a proper vision because sometimes we have a false vision of what church is supposed to be. Church is a messy place because the father has an enemy and he's constantly attacking his children. If we understand that, then we're not surprised when we wake up in the morning and there's a full assault on Christianity in our nation. There's a full assault on the church. There's a full assault on us declaring Jesus as the savior of the world and not just one of the saviors. Jesus is the savior of the whole world. And so, and so with that, you know what we have to learn in this season? I'm going to have to learn to wipe my tears. And I'm going to have to learn to remove my fear. I have to learn not to be scared just because I don't know what tomorrow will bring. I just need to have faith in the one who holds tomorrow. So you know what we're supposed to do in this season? We're supposed to grow. This 
is not the time to be scared. If you're a Christian, if you understand the parable, then you understand we fight with weeds. We have to fight with the weed. He's not removing the weeds. You know, sometimes we can have people who are hunkered down and they're thinking to themselves, I can't wait till this is over. A real Christian knows, no, nah, because Satan will never let up. This won't be over. Do you know when the AIDS epidemic hit? Do you know that people still contract AIDS today? It's not over. We live with the flu. We live with AIDS. We live uh, with SARS. We, we live with other diseases. And you know what? When SARS hit, we still had to preach the gospel. When AIDS hit, we still had to preach the gospel. When drugs hit our community, we still have. Do you know people still take drugs today? Do you know people still have alcohol poisoning today? When prohibition hit, you had the church and they were preaching it. But you know what? Alcohol came back. There's liquor stores and there's people uh, who are causing damage to their lives. Do you know that there are issues that are still going on today? It has not ended and the church is still expected to grow. So we got work to do. This is not the time to wonder about. We have to be able to find out, okay, God, you've given us everything we need in this season to be able to stand and to be able to grow. So then I have to change my mentality and I have to change my expectation. The, the young gentleman who decided he wanted to get married and he thought it was gonna be butterflies and candy every day, it's not to say he shouldn't get married, but maybe he needs to be educated so that he can understand. It's gonna be a fight because as an enemy, it's not your enemy, it's his enemy, but because you're with Jesus, he's gonna attack you. If, if you're listening this evening and maybe you've been discouraged Maybe you've been weary. Maybe you've been walking around scared. Maybe you just feel like you've been done wrong. And you say, God, I, I tried with all. It just seemed like you're going to have to fight. There's a phrase in the scripture that says, gird up your loins and fight. Because Jesus has given us everything that we need. The Bible says in the end, he'll separate the wheat from the tares. But that's harvest time. And if today is not harvest time, if Jesus does not return today, then he's expecting us to grow today with the weeds. If you're here and you're listening and you're in need of prayer, you're, you're, you're in need to be reminded that God is still on the throne. It's not that he doesn't see what you're going through. The problem is you think he doesn't care because he doesn't remove the weeds. And what he knows is you're actually better with the weeds. And the power that I've given you, the weeds can't harm you. Weeds can't stop wheat from growing. So you have right now everything you need. We're supposed to be here for one another. So this is the time for prayer. Whatever you're desiring from the Lord, make sure you have a proper understanding. So I want to pray for you now as we close. I want to pray for you now. If there is anything that you're struggling with, I want you to put it on the altar right now. If your heart is heavy right now and you're hurting and you feel like you don't have enough strength, I want to let you know your strength is in Jesus Christ. I don't want you to feel like it's over. Because Jesus 
is still victorious. So I want to pray for you right now. I want to, on the forefront of your mind, if there's anything that you desire, if you, whatever you need from God, this is the time to give it to him right now. Let us together go to God in a word of prayer. Holy and righteous Father, we come to you right now. There are some, dear Father, that are discouraged. There are some that, that are feeling lost. There are some that are feeling defeated and in need of your touch right now. They're in need of your love. Thank you, dear Father, for reminding us in your word that this is a fight. This is not vacation. This is, Christianity is not the beach. It's a battlefield, and we are your soldiers. Dear God, help us to put on the full armor of God. Dear Father, comfort your children right now. Strengthen your children right now. Dear Father, we ask you to be in every home. We ask you to be with every man. We ask you to be with every woman. Dear Father, be with the children of your kingdom. Dear Father, watch over our families and our loved ones and keep us, dear Father, in your bosom. And dear Father, we ask that you may instill us with the faith that we need that after this prayer, like Paul, if you decide not to remove the thorn, give us the joy to know that through you, you are greater in our weakness. Help us, dear Father, that we may learn to glorify your holy and righteous name. Dear Father, we pray for the country right now. We pray, dear Father, for our society. We pray for all of those who may be disillusioned. Help us, dear Father, that we may be able to do our work in the kingdom right now, that we may be able to bring people's mind back to the cross. In your wonderful and holy name we pray. Amen. Be blessed.